0: Previously on Figuring Out 30, you heard from one of my best mates, Ashy, who decided to freeze her eggs at the age of 31. One of Ashy's biggest goals in life is to become a mother, so it's been really important for her to obtain knowledge about her baby-making abilities and make informed decisions about her future. Our conversation got me thinking about my own maternal desires. So in this episode, I'm going to take you along as I undergo some tests and try to figure out my fertility. a good starting point would be to just make it clear that I am not ready to have a baby right now. (laughs) I got a puppy last year, Daisy, um, and that's literally all I can handle at this point in time. She's very cute, but she is a lot. And, you know, up until recently, I have absolutely, no, you know what? I still, I'm in a relationship, but I still feel like a single mum with Daisy. She's, yeah, she's a lot, but she's cute. She's very cute. But anyway, being 31 years old and having endometriosis, I would be lying if I said to you that I didn't worry about my fertility window or my biological deadline, as it is commonly described. And whilst I'm not ready now, I I do sometimes fear that, you know, when I am ready, I may miss the train. When I turned 30, I felt a sudden sense of urgency and panic, and it was a kind that I've never really felt before. You know, all around me, I had friends becoming parents, and whilst they didn't, you know, put pressure on me, I kind of just felt this wider social push, like being involuntarily pushed into this game of you snooze, you lose, and what you lose is eggs. It's just so unfair that women are made to feel like, you know, our sole purpose is to have a bloody kid. (laughs) Um, Guys, like these guys don't have to burden the same expectation, right? I mean, I'm sure some do, and I know there's guys out there who do really want to be dads, but it's honestly, like it's not to the extent of women based on traditional historical standards. Men don't have to prepare their bodies for conception and for delivery and then the aftermath of that, the recovery. They don't really have to deal with contraception that physically and mentally affects their body. They don't have to deal with the same level of judgment of openly expressing desires or concerns surrounding fertility. Women are usually painted as crazy or desperate for doing this. And frankly, it's fucking annoying. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to get into my testing. But first, I want to briefly explain my endometriosis and why that is relevant to my fertility. If you've followed me for a while, you'll know that I have endometriosis or known as endo. So it's a chronic condition where the tissue similar to the lining of the uterus grows outside of the uterus. It causes pain, inflammation. It can stick organs together and in up to 50% of cases, it can affect fertility. So endo can do this in a few ways. So there's the physical damage. It can affect your fallopian tubes. It can affect the passage of sperm and eggs. And yeah, overall kind of change the pelvic environment. It can also affect the function of both eggs and sperm. And apparently there could be evidence that the quality and quantity of eggs in people with endometriosis can potentially be affected. So there's just a few different ways, right? Um, I've had two excision surgeries for my endometriosis. Excision is when you have the disease physically cut out from the root. It's deemed as the gold standard for endotreatment. My last surgery was in 2020 and fertility wise my specialist said I was looking sweet. Like he literally was like if you want to if you want to get it done, you shouldn't have any problems. Like f- tubes are great. You can go. Wasn't ready at that time obviously. Um <laughs> the thing is with endo, like you don't know if it's back unless you really have another surgery and you don't want to keep having surgeries. It's really dangerous to fall into this cycle of having multiple surgeries because that in turn can yeah cause more adhesions and you can create this new onset of pain that's not necessarily your endo it's now just pain from adhesions and I won't know what my fertility is like until I try and I obviously don't want to try right now (laughs) So in some ways, I feel a little helpless and hopeless, but one thing I can do in the meantime is get an idea as to how my eggs would be if I wanted to perhaps freeze them. Egg freezing is becoming a pretty common conversation. Like, I swear a few years ago, I mean, I didn't even know of it, but in recent times, I'm seeing more and more people discuss it and do it, and it's really good to know that it's an option. I want to acknowledge as well the privilege of being able to egg freeze because it's not accessible to everyone and it really does depend on if you can afford it or not. It's not cheap and I hope moving forward it does become something that is accessible for everyone. But I'm going to explore it and I'm going to have some tests and to help me do this is Dr Fiona Cowell from Monash IVF.
2: So you want to know what it's going to be like? You know how we can predict you know what your fertility is like
0: yeah i'm yeah i guess i'm definitely not in the position to have kids right now yep but it's just thinking i guess i guess the thing with endo too it's like you don't know what's happening until you go in for another laparoscopy and yeah have
2: and and they, there is some so laparoscopies for endo for pain can be can be helpful sometimes they're not yep. sometimes they don't help the pain yeah well horribly. you can fall into like that surgical cycle and adhesions and scar tissue too and Our understanding in fertility is that gut repeated looks are probably not helpful. No. And that we, the reason I was wanting to know about your ovaries is that endometriomas, we know sort of overtake bits of the ovary and can use up follicles, but in the stripping of those, we can damage all those follicles around it. Now there's a few things and we don't know really about fertility until you try. So it's about um, eggs, sperm, and then the mechanics. So, whilst in your laparoscopy you would have had your tubes flushed yes this is my very diseased uterus model oh our uterus, it's (laughs) bruterus yes but it's got all the diseases um so your doctor would have put dye through your tubes yes now that shows that they are physically open what we have come to understand is that you can still have endo in the tubes that's not that isn't blocking the tubes but it can be damaging the cilia so that the delicate you know organisms that are needed to get that moves the embryo along the tubes so the presence of endo, endo can affect your tube function mm. and patency is a is reassuring but not a promise that it's all good What we do in terms of making a fertility assessment is kind of have a stab in the dark, but it's no predictor. What we know is based on your age, and we know that generally, egg quality declines. Mm. So, pulling out... At what age? Wow, this is my little graph. Here we go, we've got a chart. We've got a chart, (laughs) we have a chart. So... This is based, This is data based on if we have frozen eggs, what's your probability of having a baby from those frozen eggs? If you have... We get 10 eggs from someone who's under the age of 30, which is this first line here. From those 10 eggs, if you have 100 women, 75% of those women will be able to have a baby with those 10 eggs. Okay. Now, we can't tell who's got the eggs with poor quality and who have got really awesome eggs until we put them with sperm so Mm. we just don't know if we wait till this graph looks at women under the age of 35 that rates about 70 percent so under 30 75 percent under 35 70 percent so there's not a huge decline between the ages of 30 and 35. okay so if you're someone who didn't have endometriosis everything else was looking okay that time between 30 and 35 in terms of thinking about egg freezing it's a good idea to you know it's an okay time to think about it but it's not desperately urgent because the change between 30 and 35 is not huge okay so that's good to know (laughs) with endo though things can be progressing and taking away your your numbers of follicles so it may make it and we don't (laughs) know and that might make it harder to retrieve them Mm. so endo puts you in a different category but we don't know yeah what happens after thirty-five is things really start to drop off. So at so at thirty so at thirty-five you get a seventy percent chance. If we wait to thirty-six it's a sixty percent chance. If we wait to thirty-seven it goes to fifty percent chance. This is of having a baby from ten eggs.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So those numbers, so the the quality of those eggs really deteriorates. So the ideal time to get good quality eggs. Is in that age between thirty and thirty-five. The reality is that a lot of women getting eggs in those uh, in those years are often going to find someone, a partner that they want to have babies with, and will never use those eggs. Right. But if you wait till you're thirty-seven and go, look, there's no one on the horizon. I need to do it. You've got poorer quality eggs. So it's sort of balancing that likelihood of, am I going to use them? Do I want to, um, you know, have that surety reserved? Um, And and even then it's not a surety. So when we talk about how many eggs someone needs to to bank, and it's gonna vary, which I'll talk about in a minute on sort of what your um, ovarian reserve is looking like is how many we can aim to have. It depends on where you sit and what sort of backup you would like. So if you said, look, this is the most important thing for me, I absolutely 100% wanna have a baby. For someone, you know, between the ages of 30 and 35 to get close to that 98, 99% chance of having a baby, we're looking at close to 40 eggs, which is going to be multiple cycles of egg collection. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and it's an unusual woman who goes for that many. Okay. But some do. And I have patients who sit on all sorts of different... Some say, look, I just want a few there. Some say it actually is really important and it might be something that I think about doing a cycle now and seeing how many we can get. I might relook at the landscape in two years' time and see if I've got a partner then or not. And if I haven't, I'll I'll do some more. Um, I have a patient who said she didn't really ever want kids, but she wanted to have made an attempt to freeze some eggs so if she met a partner she could say look i tried yeah so you know there's there's everyone sits in a very different range Mm. of what's important for them and how important it is and how you know much they want to rely on these eggs so this is about quality and this is we're just basing this on your age and general assumptions for women your age
0: yeah
2: so that's about egg quality yeah now The other advantage of doing it when you're younger is getting egg quantity. So you need, you know, more eggs is better because you've got more chances to try with. Now, what happens each month is over the sort of the preceding two months before you get a period, two to three months, you're developing what we call an antral follicle pool. So these are small follicles that are growing up. We don't really understand what influences that we, and we don't have any ability really to change that pool. Now, you might have heard of the egg timer test, that anti-malarian hormone test. Yes, so my get, friend has had that, yeah. And that test is, what it's doing is giving us a reflection of how big that pool is. Yeah. So what happens is, before your period, you've got a pool there of these antral follicles. As your hormones drop when you get a period, your brain starts pumping out a hormone called FSH, Follicle Stimulating Hormone, mm-hmm. and it develops one follicle from that pool, what we do in egg freezing or ivf is we give you lots of fsh and we give it to you often in a pen form like an injectable yep, pen yep. and you we give you lots of fsh to try and recruit as many of that pool as possible now the issue is is if your pool is small we can't make it any bigger so if your amh is on the lower side we can only get what's there
0: mm-hmm.
2: if it's on the bigger side and then we conversely run into other risks. We worry about overstimulating you and getting too many at once, which can actually make you quite sick. Oh, okay. The anti-malarian hormone is one marker. The other way we see how big your pool is is that we do an ultrasound to count the little follicles. They usually correlate, but sometimes there's a little bit of a, dif- a difference and we sort of then assume your numbers are somewhere in the middle. Yeah,
0: right. So this is through... Is it through a blood test? Yeah.
2: So the AMH—it's a blood test. It's okay. about ninety dollars. Yep. Um, there's no Medicare on that. Um, and yeah, and it gives us—it gives us a number. Yep. If your number's low, does it mean you're going to have early menopause? Does it mean you've got no chance of having a baby? Not really. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Really, what it tells us is what your pool is like, and it will probably shrink with time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but it tells us how many eggs we're going to get at once
0: it's a pretty like i think that's a good thing to ah, be absolutely. aware of
2: right like absolutely but it's also if it's not going to change what you're going to do
1: mm-hmm.
2: like if you're thinking about egg freezing it's a great i we like we need to do it yep. it helps us work out medication doses but it also tells us and gives you an estimate and us of what we expect to get at egg collection okay does that make sense yeah if you were someone who say you were in a a relationship with someone and you're saying I want to know what my level is really the key factor is your egg quality and your age
0: are you finding that you are seeing a lot of people in my position I guess you know single women maybe not necessarily with endometriosis but they approach 30
2: and they're just I don't. Um, know, it, it switches, could, you know? <laughs> absolutely. I could fill my days with people. Really? To, yeah. <laughs> so there's, and I think post-pandemic, there's been a huge change. I think there's, you know, women lost a couple of years of... Dude, we lost
0: years of dating exactly, and meeting people. Exactly, So you can actually, like, oh, you've seen, seen that from your absolutely. perspective.
2: Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And also not only lost two years of dating, but we're stuck in a house with someone that they've gone, actually, I don't want to have kids with you.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so good to know that these options that these options are there are which there. they weren't before yeah so and these, it's not like i'm not being over the top no, 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 no. looking at this now no right? no no, like this no, is a, no 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 this I is a normal
2: I, thing this is very normal more and more common and the other thing i'm then seeing is women sort of in their like some younger but definitely you know 37 38 accessing donor sperm to do it on their own okay who have had a lot of you know relationships they go actually it's just easier if I do this myself you know what I've got this like just leave it with me yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah but no I'm seeing lots and lots and lots and lots of women who are exactly like you who are just saying you know this isn't kind of I wanted to have control of what I'm doing in the future and a lot of women saying I don't want this to in my fertility to impact who I'm choosing. Mm. And for me to rush into a relationship and say, right, let's get on with it, let's have a baby. That's if we've got this sort of stored away, it's like the pressure's off. That is exactly what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that <laughs> I'm not the only one. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you do have that edit. It may be difficult for you to get pregnant. Yeah. And we just don't know. That's right. So, you know, what I would you know if we did do if you did freeze your eggs and then you met someone and you were the age of 35 or 36 and wanting to have a baby i'd say go for it just try and get pregnant and if you didn't we would then use your current eggs and you would use these in the bank for baby number two or baby number three. Oh, that's what people don't think about when they say to me like i, and I have a lot of couples coming in saying we're going to freeze our eggs because we're going to go traveling or we're going to do this or we're going to do that and whilst that, that is a good idea, and, and we're doing more egg freezing, but it's mainly for baby two and three. I if, didn't even consider that, yeah. Because it takes time. Yep. And if it, you know, let's say it takes you a year to get pregnant, You I know a lot of women it's quicker, sometimes it's longer, and then you've got nine months of pregnancy, and then whether you breastfeed or, you know, you actually don't want two kids really close together. Yeah. So that can chew up three years of your life. So if you start at 35, you might be then looking at 38, 39, before you're looking at your second baby, and then your fertility's really dropped off.
0: I so then coming back that. and
2: getting your 30-year-old eggs, it's like, oh, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, thank you past me. Yes. <laughs> okay. That makes my journey so much easier. Yeah, that that really kind of reinforces, I guess, my want to suss this now too. I literally didn't even consider yeah, I guess potential, you know, second or third children. Yes. I just people are so fixated on the first one, yes, are they? Yes, but
2: it's all we see a lot of women who have that baby in their, you know, thirty. 637 who then really struggle with their or even younger, but it's the people who then struggle with the second, so secondary infertility, and it's just due to declining equality.
0: Hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
2: what was okay mid 30s is not so good late 30s yeah
0: so mid 30s 31 30 to 35 relatively same as soon as 35 kicks in yeah and look it's going to be different for everyone this is
2: just there's no magic on your 35th birthday those eggs are just you know getting crumbly yeah (laughs) it's a you know but we do absolutely know that over the age of 35 fertility is declining
0: yeah so i guess the next steps in terms of looking at my amh would yep. be booking in to get
1: blood
2: yeah we do scan. some blood so and you can do the amh um at any stage in a cycle okay. so you can just go and do that and then the ultrasound and pelvic ultrasound again they do like to do it in the first half of your cycle but it's not essential mm-hmm. so i can give you a list of all the really good ultrasound places mm-hmm. and get you to find a place that'll get you in for a scan yeah perfect so there's a good quality scan i get them done by um gynecologists who specialize in scanning yes. so they are exceptional you probably had them for your endo yeah so
0: it,
2: yeah, yeah yeah so we're not going to do the dye bit but we'll just do the ultrasound and it's about three hundred dollars yeah so and then the bloods um at the same time i like to check all your pre-pregnancy ones so it's good just to check your immune to rubella and chicken pox and measles because if you're not it's we may as well vaccinate you so that when you are ready to get pregnant you're ready to go Yep. and then i just check your baseline blood count thyroid iron yep while we're taking those bloods if you are thinking about egg freezing we have to do an std screen it's part of the victorian regulations that anyone who's doing any fertility stuff has to have that so i just run those off in the same bloods so that you're only having one needle
0: may as well get it all done may as well get it all done yeah
2: and if you are thinking that this is where you want to go um we can also get organized counseling for you through um monash so it's free and you can walk away if you decide you don't want to do it. But it's something that also they go through the process as well. Because
0: it's, a, it's a, a process, like when I was talking to my friend um, about the experience of doing this whole thing and doing it, like, I guess, uh, primarily as a single woman, it's it, there's a lot more that goes into it beyond just having, you know, a few needles or whatever. Yeah, like so it's...
2: what would happen is we would we'd get all the, re- the get your results. Yep. I then work out what's called a treatment plan. Mm -hmm. I, you would have counselling with Monash and then we'd get you in touch with the nurses. So then you'd meet with the IVF nurses who are exceptional. Um, You sit with them and they go through all your medications. They say, this is what you need to do. We then wait for your period. When you get your period, you give them a call and then you would start your medication on day two. So what happens on day two is we give you this high dose of FSH, Mm -hmm. which you'd be injecting. And you're gonna give yourself that daily injection. Then by about day six of your cycle, we want to give you a second injection to block your ovulating, your ovulation hormone. So the LH hormone, we want to stop that because we don't want you to ovulate. We want to keep the eggs yeah. for yourself us. So by about day six, you're having two injections a day. Day nine or 10, we bring you in and we do an ult- another pelvic ultrasound. This is done by the nurses and who we measure the follicle count. Now... Depending on the size of the follicles and the number of follicles, we then work out when you will be ready for egg collection. So we like a nice group of follicles that are of a decent size. Sometimes that means when you have your scan, we go, okay, we can book you for an egg retrieval in two days' time. Sometimes we go, ooh, let's bring you back for another scan in a couple of days. Sometimes you need a scan a couple of days after that. Now, we have algorithms to work out what doses to give based on your weight, your height, your... AMH level, you scan, but even then, not everyone responds in the way that we think that they will respond. Hmm. So when we think you're ready, we then give you another injection, which is called a trigger injection, which helps mature the eggs. And then we bring you in for a, um, a procedure. It's done under light sedation, so it wouldn't be a heavy anesthetic like your laparoscopy. Yep. This is sort of the level of anaesthetic that you'd get for a colonoscopy or, you know, you're, you're asleep, yeah. but you wake up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Then under ultrasound, using a needle, we empty all those follicles. And hopefully in each of those follicles, especially in someone who's younger, we would there would be an egg. So at the same time as someone, one of the doctors, myself, or one of the others would be collecting the um, the follicles, the scientists are behind us, and they then look through all the follicular fluid and count the eggs and we would freeze them at this point the precision of this like there is so much that goes into it there is a lot which is why you need a really awesome team who yeah. are like coordinating the whole lot now what if you were doing say IVF? so say tell me if we found out that you had blocked tubes and you were wanting to get pregnant we would put at this stage we'd put the eggs with the sperm but for you we would freeze them now the freezing of eggs alters the outside and can affect their ability to be fertilized so if in 10 years time after you've had baby two and three we want to use these for baby number i mean baby one and two and we want to use these for baby number three we would actually inject the sperm into the egg because we know after you having frozen eggs actually injecting the sperm which is called ICSI is the best way to get fertilization we would then grow the embryo up until day five and then we'd bring you in sort of like an extended pap smear and put the embryo back
0: with the egg freezing this is such a basic question how long can you freeze eggs for like you how- can keep
2: going you just you just pay a fee we, we i think there's an application to um we've just got to keep applying every five years just that that's okay but they don't expire well <laughs> they don't expire but we say that you need to use them by your 53rd birthday okay just because we don't want women in their 60s having babies yeah that's so, so interesting so yeah so they're sitting there for as long as you keep paying for storage yeah right there are risks involved. So occasionally when we bring you in for the scan, you haven't responded at all. And we would keep watching you for a bit, but some people just have under responded. And at which point it's, it's often cost-effective and better for you that we cancel a cycle. You'll still have to pay for the cost of the drugs, but that we start again with a new formula. So even though we expect everyone to respond the same, people don't. The other risk and the reason we don't just hit everyone with maximal drugs is you can have a syndrome called hyperstimulation syndrome. Where you have way too many eggs created and it can actually make you quite unwell and you can end up in ICU for oh my goodness yeah so we don't want that Mm. no so we're very careful at trying to get sort of a a sweet spot of enough eggs for you to collect but without making you sick yeah the other risks are and it's increased for someone who's got endometriosis and scarring is that when this needle goes in that there's a risk we can damage other things Mm -hmm. so we're doing it under ultrasound control the quoted risk is about 0.05 percent of having damage to bladder or bowel or blood vessels but that is probably increased a little bit in someone who's got endometriosis um, and things might be a bit stuck down. When you have your ultrasound, they'll have a good look to see how mobile your ovaries are and how easy they are for collection. Occasionally, someone with endometriosis might have an ovary that's stuck up high and is not accessible vaginally, which will then decrease the amount of eggs we can collect because we can't access it safely from the vagina
0: okay this is a it's a lot of information isn't it like it's a a lot to take in but it's really it's so good to know and I think yeah for me the next step would just be sussing out that AMH um and then going from there I think yeah Richard hello how are you going I'm good how are you good 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 so I've got your AMH back all right Um, how are we looking all
1: right so it's Look, remember, it's, it doesn't tell us an awful lot. It's nine, which is possibly the lower end of normal for your age. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't tell us that, you know, it, that your fertility is going to run out or how fertile you are at the moment. What it probably does is tell us that you're not, you know, based on that, but when we sort of get more information, um, often from a scan as well, telling us how many follicles there are. But if based on that, if we were to stimulate you, we you know, would a, a really good outcome could get sort of between 8 to 10 eggs. You know, we may not get a lot more than that just because they may not be sitting there in that little
0: pool. Yeah, and what's the, what's the average again for it?
1: Well, average can be anything. So, and look, you could pull up a million different, um, you know, ranges. There is no good reported range. One of the ones I've got sitting here on my desk that I use, ages 30 to 34, normal is 7 to 48, so, you know, it's normal, it's kind of when we see some people with a higher one and others with a lower, it's kind of like, do you have long hair, do you have short hair, do you have curly hair, do you, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just we're all a bit different and it's just the pool that you have sitting there, it doesn't necessarily reflect anything else. Um, the Melbourne PATH people are saying if it is under 11, it's maybe reduced ovarian reserve, so using their data they would say it's possibly a bit reduced but not specific look it, it's um you know it, it's lower end of normal okay. and it could be based on your ultrasound when they look at your follicle count that sometimes gives us a very different picture and sometimes it's a lot higher and we go well maybe that amh just
0: isn't quite reflecting where you sit yeah yeah i'm um about to book in to get that scan so hopefully i'll be able to get it done within the next fortnight ideally um and we'll have more of an idea on the follicle situation there but i mean i'm i'm not worried should i be worried no you don't need to be worried don't
1: be worried no it's some people are worried by that but i wouldn't be it's just it's a normal variant like it's normal It's just lower end normal. But that doesn't mean anything in particular going forward.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, again, it's always, like, trying to conceive naturally first anyway, so.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And you only need one in that pool for that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, cool. And the most
1: important thing is that you do it with, you know, the youngest eggs you can, you know, do it because then you don't need to keep trying as long.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, now, I'm feeling sweet. Um, I will get that scan booked in, and then we'll touch base once we've got the results there. Excellent. Thanks, Fiona. Yeah, we'll touch base then. Awesome. Okay, bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Bridget, how are you going? This scan seemed to go well, I think. Like, I've got yeah, the results yeah, in front yeah. of me, but do you want to...
1: Yeah, look, it's all good. So, the um, follicles, you've got nice thumbs of follicles on both sides, so... When shows so on the scan for 16 antral follicles and the 15 antral follicles, so that sort of, you yeah, add them up together and that gives you an antral follicle count of 30, which is a lot better than that AMH that we talked about would suggest. Yeah. So, um, which is a really good thing. So that if you were to do something like egg freezing, you could expect to stimulate a good proportion of those. You wouldn't want to get that many at once, but you could... You know, get expect that you could get high teens for numbers of collecting eggs, which is a really good thing. So. nice and reassuring and you know in terms of there was just a mild bowel adhesion so there's nothing looking nasty in terms of endo which is also really reassuring.
0: Yeah the left ovary poor lefty she's had um she's been, had a bit of a tough time like that was the one that's been a mobile previously because of yeah being um the adhesion with the bowel and whatnot but that wasn't surprising to see that was still you know just a popping around I guess but other than that yeah. like so with the Fiona, with the follicles, like the right ovary says sixteen, the left ovary fifteen. What's like the ballpark figure that you're meant to like? What's a good number to say that's that's good?
1: Well, it, it's kind of like are you tall, or are you short, and not one's not better than another. It's more about so this is and this changes from month to month, but you will probably sit around that number. So you know some months will be different. And what... It's taken a couple of months for you to develop those antral follicles, and that's what you're recruiting every month. And when you get your period and you stimulate, you get, you're you collecting your body... i oh, sorry, your brain sends out the hormone, the follicle-stimulating hormone, and it's recruiting one of those follicles to become the dominant follicle, and you will lose the rest of those follicles. Oh. So it's... So in terms of... You only need one to get pregnant, so you can have two there, and, you know, you only need one to recruit one to get pregnant... But if we were looking at doing something like egg collection for either IVF or for, you know, egg freezing, you need a nice pool to make it a good procedure in terms of if we give you the drugs, we give you big doses of the FSH to try and recruit a number in that pool. Now, if we recruited all of those at once, we'd probably make you quite unwell. Then mm. so you could be at risk of hyperstimulation, so you wouldn't want to do that. But, you know, you would want to get sort of you know, somewhere 10 to 15 is a really nice number to get at an for an egg freeze. Yeah. Um, so in terms of what does it mean for your future fertility, we don't really know. You know, we don't know the quality of those eggs. We don't know, um, you know, how they're going to perform or how quickly those numbers decline over time. But at the moment, you've got a really healthy, normal, you know, excellent number. People who have really high numbers of antral follicles, we worry that they're a bit more polycystic ovary syndrome-like, mm. they're sort of sitting in that thing. So you're like, you're sort of right in the middle. So yeah. just
0: lovely. Okay, cool. Well, I feel, yeah, like comfortable and I'm not stressed. So that's a good thing, right? That's how I should be feeling? That
1: is a very, very good thing. <laughs> exactly. So it's nice, normal. Normal
0: thirty-one year old, nothing that I'm concerned about. Yeah, awesome. I think in terms of egg freezing, it's something that I'd probably look into actually doing next year. I think. Um, yep, yep. In the time, like the and last. There's no rush. There's yeah. No rush. And also, it's so funny. Since I saw you last, I've got into a new relationship, but I'm like obviously not oh. talking babies yet. But you know, like. Yeah, and
1: you know, egg freezing for someone is in a relationship. This side of. 35 it's something that I'd sort of say well put that on hold for a little bit you know for some people in a relationship it is helpful and it takes the pressure off the relationship but if you you know this time next year go look we're thinking of having a baby in a year's time after that well I would just do that and you know worry about collecting eggs if things aren't going well but I would just You know, I wouldn't rush into egg freezing if there's a relationship and prospects in the
0: future. Yeah, it's so good to just have this information. Like I just feel at ease knowing, you know, that I I have this info in front of me and I feel a bit – it kind of gives me a a sense of control. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And so, yeah, you're very normal. So I would just enjoy that.
0: (laughs) I can absolutely enjoy that. (laughs)
1: Excellent. Well, make sure you're
0: having lots of safe sex. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Will
1: do, Fiona. Any pregnancy is very planned. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. Bye. All right, bye. Talk soon. bye. So there you go. I'm I'm feeling really good with that information. I feel like I've got some sense of control over the future of my fertility. And as they say knowledge is power it's also been good to feel on the same page as my new partner this relationship that i'm in is so fresh and there's also a bit of an age gap i'm a bit of a cougar here Um, but the communication is open and it's respectful and although you can never predetermine what will happen it's still nice to kind of have that conversation and to know that we are on the same page as to when we both intended on, I guess, settling down in that regard. Anyway, I hope this episode was helpful. If you're currently going through this or even if you're not, hopefully it gave you some insight into what perhaps a loved one is currently going through. But hey, we're ditching babies for business on the next episode of Figuring Out 30 and talking about careers, specifically changing careers in your 30s.
2: Not only had the company failed, but I'd lost all of this money. And there's this monumental thing of turning 30 and you think by that time you should have got your shit together and... And I'm like at my lowest.
0: You're going to hear from my mate, Michelle Grace Hunter and how she went from a significant business failure to becoming one of Australia's most in-demand music photographers. And it all started at the age of 31. <laughs> Figuring Out 30 is an independent podcast produced and presented by me, Bridget Hustwaite. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Hustwaite, and you can also drop me a line about the podcast anytime at figuringout30 at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can hit subscribe if you want to stay across the latest episodes. And hey, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you could leave me a little review or rating. Thank you so much for your support. I'll catch you next time.